Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah! The Browns are 1-0. They just beat the Bengals 49-0. Adam the Bull is sick to his stomach. And welcome to the first edition of the UCSS 2023 Browns postgame show. Yes, sir. Oh, wait. No, that's, that's coming on <laughs> September 10th when the Browns do play the Bengals. And as we all think, uh, they're going to beat the Bengals. This will be the postgame show cast for you. Myself, Earl the Pearl, G. Bush. This is a mini unintentional test run of the postgame show, including Anthony who's behind the glass in the producer's chair today. The only one missing, or the only one who's here today they will be missing when we do our post-game shows is Director Steve. We all know Director Steve's taking notes on the game. Did Nick Chubb get his 20 carries? Check. I know what to push and, Jay's buttons on the next day and, or not. And uh, Steve, uh, we tried to negotiate. His weekend rate is way too high. Yeah. Uh, we had to uh, we had to renegotiate and say we can't do that. You that's, know, a, that's that's a big deal to try to foot, man. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's OG Steve right there. And, and we talk about running backs not getting paid. Man, you listen. want to talk about directors getting paid on Sundays? Ooh. I, I see Steve nodding his head back there. But it is it is tough. But no, we have a jam-packed show to get to today, guys. Ahmed Rosario has been traded to the Dodgers. Was it enough of a return for the young up-and-coming shortstop? How do we feel about Noah Syndergaard and cash considerations coming back to the Cleveland Guardians. The first preseason rankings for the NBA are out. The Cavs landing in the top 10, but are they too low within the top 10? We'll get to that. And we have three football topics that I can't wait to dive into here, including ranking our positional rankings for the Browns, Deshaun Watson's contract and where it fits in on the NFL landscape now, and something that came up on Behind the Glass last night that I know G called me McChicken when I had my point on. <laughs> so I got to live a little rebuttal here. But if you had to choose between Nick Chubb or Jed Wills on who will get an extension next season, who's more likely? And then we have a new segment at the end that I think you guys are going to like. Little sports, little non-sports, but I do think we'll have fun playing along with that. Uh, and guys, we'll get into it in a sec. But first, we have Anthony Antonelli, Anthony Cantaspelli behind the glass. Anthony, how are you doing this morning? What's up, guys? Good morning. How you doing? Good, good, We're good, doing good. good. I'm here today to remind you guys that you can buy memberships for $4.99. And we've got an overtime topic today that I definitely remembered, but I won't tease it until the end of the show. And you can get – we have a new Mikey McNuggets emoji. Earl and I are trying to get on the emoji train. So the more members we have, the more emojis we can have. Give us and Earl our emoji. We've been waiting for it. And then without further ado, we can get into our first topic here today. Mike, while you guys rank – the position groups for the Browns. Yeah, so I was looking at the roster. We have so much stuff to get to. That's why we had to cut the intro short. We got so many topics to get to that I think it'd be 20, 25-minute topics. So we're going to run right into it. I was looking at the Browns roster the other day. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about who we think the most important players are, who needs to have the biggest season. But when you look at each individual group, I thought there were a couple choices to which unit you felt the best about heading into this season, which one you were the most confident, which one you <coughs> think was the best. And there were some others that – I didn't think we'd all think we're particularly as high as some of the other ones. So I figured let's let's do a little rankings here and run through the list. And we have 11 categories that mm -hmm. we can choose from. We'll go 1 to 11. We have quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends, offensive line, defensive ends, defensive tackles, linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties, and special teams. Boo. Okay. So we can't just do the whole defensive line? No, two different uh, groups. Man, two, come on. two different groups. We got to go one through eleven because it's very That's different. Crazy. You may feel very confident in one and not so confident in the other. So let's start. We're gonna go and have a little discussion with each one. We'll go one to eleven. Okay. If two of us agree, that'll get the spot. If we all say something different, we'll let Anthony be the tiebreaker. Does that work for you guys? Sounds good. Let's do it. Earl Pearl, which position group on the Browns do you feel the most confident in heading into the upcoming season? The most confidence that I have in a particular position group will probably be the Cleveland Browns offensive line. I look at the offensive line, you know, led by to me, Joel Batonio. You got Wyatt Teller there. You got Ethan Poacher. You got center. Uh, we know what Jedrick Wills is. Middle of the road tackle. I like the depth on the, uh, on the offensive line with Dewan Jones. Uh, huge fan of, uh, Lord have mercy, he's sleeping my, uh, James, James Hudson. Huge fan of him. So, and then with the coach and Bill Callahan, I just like the unit. 
it's probably been the strongest, most, you know, uh, the strongest unit, but it's probably been a unit that's, you can say that you trust the most, right, over the last couple of years, despite everything that the Cleveland Browns have gone through. The one thing that you know is, you know that the line is going to be coached up, you know, more often than not that they're going to do their job, and they still, by every category out there, rank top five in the NFL, so. G, do you agree, disagree? Because I'll tell you, it won't be unanimous. They're not number one to me. Um, I, when I looked at it, the first when I looked at it the first, the thing that I looked at was I should say, look, hey, I like the offensive line. I think that you know what you're going to get from them, and so if you want the safest, you say offensive line, right? Because you know you got all pros up there. Joe Batonio has been great for a long period of time. Ethan Poachers was rated as one of the top, I guess, five centers once he got to, to playing. I even liked uh, uh, Dewan Jones. Um, because he's a guy that I think is going to eventually take over for Jedra Wills, who I think is the weak spot on that line. However, there is, I, I did not have them at the first uh, slot. Um, and the reason I didn't have them at a slot at that number one position um, was looking at other groups. Mm-hmm. And when she, once you split defensive ends apart, I had to go with DNs. Yep. Miles Garrett obviously is, is rated the best defensive end in the league. You get a Zadarius Smith, who is, a, is an elite pass rusher in his own right, who's done it at a high level with the Vikings. He's done it at a high level with the Packers. Um, he's versatile. He can get after the quarterback. He's the best run defender, um, I, I believe, that they've had at that position and pass rusher next to Miles Garrett. Obo, uh, you know, my, my man, young OG Aranco. This dude, <laughs> listen, he out here, he, he's a guy who just think when they when they signed him, we thought it was a wrap. We're like, oh, yeah, we'll take him. And then they went and got to Zedarius Smith. And now you get to use those guys in one package. I even like some of the depth they got. You know, they got the, the McGuire kid from uh, Missouri. Alex Wright. Alex Wright still on the team. Isaiah Thomas showed you something, you know, last year, a little bit at a time. So they got some guys, pieces and parts. They can move in there. I like the defensive end room. Um, and I, I think anytime you have Miles Garrett, who is probably the best lo- defensive lineman or defensive end in the league, you got to go with that as far as you, your, the position rankings go. I had O-line in my top three. I had defensive ends number one as well. And for the same point you just made, when they signed Oboe, I felt really good about that defensive end room. When they got Zadarius Smith on top of Miles Garrett <laughs> yeah. and, and Oboe, I was like, sheesh, that's three of, at least analytically speaking, the top individual pass rushers in the entire league on one defensive line now. So I had defensive ends first. So we will, as a unit here, defensive ends officially up at number one. Can I start on number two here? Let's go. Yeah, we'll go back down. I want the cornerback room. Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, Martin Emerson. We know Ward's one of the best cornerbacks in football when he's on the field. I know mm-hmm. last year was a bit of a down year, but the potential and the productivity through the first three years of his career has been there. He got a $100 million contract, rates out on PFF as one of the better uh, pass coverage guys. Martin Emerson Jr. is our guy, Earl. That's yeah. our guy now. Yeah, that's my guy. And dog. then I think Greg Newsom, when he came on the show, he, he talked about not loving playing the slot last year because a lot of it's run fits and he's a cover guy. But I think Jim Schwartz and having that new system that he's going to buy into, even if there are some run fit responsibilities, is going to allow him to kind of flourish as that shifty, fluid inside back. And also remember, too, the Browns' run defense was atrocious last year. So mm-hmm. if you're the slot corner, teams are still running the ball, as the Falcons did 12 times in a row. If I'm a slot cornerback and I have to stop the run 12 times in a row, I'm pissed at whoever my DC is. I don't think that'll be the case this year, so he's going to get a lot more opportunities to flourish in coverage from the slot. So I'm with the cornerback room as number two. And also you have A.J. Green and some other guys to fill out the back end of that position. Group. So it seems like we all had the same three, maybe offensive line, defensive ends, and the cornerback room. Yeah. I'm okay with the cornerback room ranking. When I look at this thing, I really think by the end of the season, we can be talking about MJ Emerson being the best corner on the Browns. I'm not. I think I'm, the dude is a yeah. playmaker. If you look at all the statistical numbers that matter for cornerbacks, he was right there in the top 10 in, in damn near every cor- uh, category. He was the highest rated defensive back on the Cleveland Browns last mm-hmm. year. This is a dude that we seen early on in preseason last year that can get his hands on the football, know how to make plays. I think his breakout game, when you can argue, was the Tampa Bay game. You know, when he went up there and locked up Mike Evans. Um, you have Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom kind of playing more in their natural man-to-man, 
you know, typical style of play that they played in college, the, uh, a style of play that they actually flourished in, right? And so under Jim Schwartz and their scheme, you're going to be able to see these three particular defensive backs really be able to make plays. And because the defensive line is really the engine that, that runs this thing, if the defensive line can get home, you know, you know you have three bona fide playmakers. And then you talk about the depth. A.J. Green, an undrafted corner a couple years ago who's kind of shine bright, you know, in certain instances when he had his opportunities. Cam Excited to see, see about the rookie Cam Mitchell. Um, we know he's a baller. We've seen some of his tape. We've seen what he's done. And so it'd be interesting to see how this room collectively can raise their level of play. I know Denzel is uh, corner one. You know, we've seen and heard throughout OTAs about him traveling, playing a little bit in the slot. We know that Greg Newsom talked the other day about loving this particular uh, scheme, and I'm just looking at it, you know, MJ Emerson is a guy that everybody is high on this year. And for all the noise about Denzel Ward, you look up and 23 is your best corner. Now you you kind of got a serious lockdown on the lake going on. And they could mix and match too, depending Absolutely. on who the other team's best corners. Let's say they're playing, you know, Seattle, for example, and DK Metcalf's the guy you got to shut down. Well, you have a guy in MJ Emerson who's 6'2", 215 pounds, who physically matches up much better with the big receivers and a guy like Denzel Ward. Yeah. And then you're going to play a team that has Pittsburgh, Deontay Johnson as their top guy. He's a little smaller, shiftier. Well, guess what? You got Denzel Ward, who's the perfect physical specimen to match up offense or defensively with that kind of receiver on offense. So the ability to mix and match and the versatility is why I am so high in the Browns defensive backs, especially the cornerbacks for this upcoming season. Um, I would agree with y'all if not for one thing. My only problem with the defensive backs is to take the turnovers. I, I want to see more takeaways. Now, the takeaways and interceptions are not just strictly a function of the defensive back. It all depends on what coverage you're in. Um, it also depends on, you know, who you're guarding and, and where you get s certain targets. If you're getting targeted or you're getting picked on a little bit. So, you know, sometimes, you know, deflections are just as good as interceptions. Yep. But I do want to see more takeaways. Um, uh, and that means more aggressive play. Um, if we can get the front seven going and we can get the sack total we think we can get, and then you still can get guys that, that are, you know, need to see Greg Newsom get, get his first interception. I would like to see uh, Martin Emerson. He, he had a tremendous play in the preseason yep. uh, where he did Jacksonville. Jacksonville first played it. And I think he got them. He got the starting job just off that. It's like, oh, whoa, who's this? We like you. You got ball skills. Um, but I would have to go back and uh, my number two, I have to say the offensive line. I, I thought the offensive line and the defensive line was just a little bit different, right? But you still got Batonio, you still got Teller, you still got Poaches, you still got Conklin, all those other guys, and they have depth. For me, if you ask me who who do you who do you think will be more consistent, I would lean a, just a little bit more to the offensive line rather than the cornerback position. But I would just give you some foreshadowing. Corners come in third for me. So because me and Earl both had corners, we'll put corners two. You had offensive line one. I had them three. You had them two. So I think you average that out. Yeah. Offensive line three. So we all agree, at least in the premise of the top three, yep. in some particular order. Yeah. Is that fair? Yep. Let's move on to number four. Earl, what position group do you have at number four? Let's see. We got the defensive ends one. We got corners two. We got the offensive line three. Correct. I'm going to go with the quarterback room. Oh, interesting. At, at, interesting. At number four, and okay. here's why, right? Okay. De Deshaun Watson is, is is the engine that's 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 running that car. We know what Deshaun Watson can be and what he's capable of when he when he's at when all things are equal, right? We know the type of time that he has put in this off season, studying film, learning the playbook, learning the system, and then we know that he had a huge part in constructing this entire quarterback room. And when you look at the rest of the quarterback room, you got a guy like Josh Dobbs who's very intelligent. Um, we've seen him a lot in preseason last year. We pretty much know what he can bring to the table. Then he goes on to Tennessee, and he's able to ball out in a playoff game that Tennessee actually lost, but it wasn't because of him. Yep. You know what I mean? Then, you know, you get the rookie that you get out of UCLA, who's another guy who fits the playing style of everybody else that's in that room. And so when I look at this room, I see a very intelligent, athletic group and a, guy, a bunch of guys that can seemingly make every throw make some plays with their legs, and they all have this similar style of play. Now, granted, something happens to Deshaun Watson. Well, take take injuries. If Miles Garrett right, gets right, right, right. But yeah. if something happens to Deshaun Watson, 
you know, all bets are off. Yeah. However, you do feel a little bit more confident knowing that you have two other guys, you know, especially in Dobbs with some experience last year that can step in and you don't have to alter the offense like you did with Jacoby Brissett Fact. switching over to Deshaun Watson. You know, the terminology be, will be the same. A lot of the calls, a lot of the reads will be the same. So I think that I will put the quarterback room number four. I'm going to go. Uh, this one was actually an easy one um, just because of the lead dog in the room, and that's I'm running back room. I'm going with you too. too. Uh, running back room. Uh, you, you look at you, it's Nick Chubb. That's all you got to understand. All you need to know is it's Chubb. So if you got him, I think Jerome Ford, Ford will make a, a nice serviceable running back. He has a little burst. I like him. Go back and watch his tape at Cincinnati. Um, he had a nice preseason as well. And there's another guy that I think is going to make the team, Demetri Felton, who's going to pay dividends because now you look at what Felton was doing before. Um, Felton could possibly make the team just by being a receiving guy, right? Yeah. So if you look at between him and Kelly, uh, who who has played pretty well in the preseason was given opportunity. Um, I, he has more versatility. Um, he can be a running back. He's on special teams. He's a gunner. He could return punts. Uh, he also can line up as a receiver. So I, I think the, and plus now more out of shotgun. I think really he can mimic some of the stuff that Elijah Moore has been doing. When you when you talk about um, what they've been seeing in camp, uh, and Zach Jackson talked about it. You know, guys moving around. He's in the backfield. He's lined up in a slot. He's doing lined up wide. So versatility is a thing that you look for in these players, and I think they get versatility from Demetrius Felton. But you know, at the end of the day, the, the bell cow is, yeah. is Nick Chubb. He's the best running back in the league. I think it ain't even really close. And and I look at the running game, and a lot of people are going to be surprised this year. I think everybody is really excited about the passing game. But Nick Chubb is still going to be a huge part of the offense. And he might even average more yards per carry based on the fact that they're spreading people out and you can't key on certain things. So I think Chubb uh, has a huge year and I got the running backs coming at four. Full disclosure, I had quarterbacks at five and I had <laughs> running backs at four. So we're, we're on the same wavelength yeah, here and it yeah. comes down to what you said. Gun to my head, who am I more confident will have an unbelievable season? Deshaun Watson or Nick Chubb? I see a 99.9% .9 chance Nick Chubb plays unbelievable, and I see a 95% chance that Deshaun Watson plays really good. So that was my determining factor. Y'all wrong, though. Like, y'all wrong. Just I get it. Nick Chubb is the lead horse, mm -hmm. just like Deshaun Watson is Who the are you lead more horse. Jerome Ford or Josh I'm more Dobbs? confident in Josh Dobbs than I am Jerome Ford. I've seen more Josh Dobbs than I have Jerome see, Ford. I, I don't. I've I, seen Josh Dobbs I, here in Cleveland in the preseason. Yeah. I've seen Josh Dobbs in real-life game like trenches type playoff atmosphere type situations. I've seen Jerome Ford in a preseason but, but let me and a couple times on kickoff returns. Let me ask you this though. We have seen Josh Dobbs in those situations. He played decent. He played decent. He did. He, he certainly serviceable for a backup. You would take that from a backup quarterback Absolutely. every day of the week. In a world where Deshaun Watson doesn't exist and a world where Nick Chubb doesn't exist. Who are you more confident can play up to the level of the guy in front of them? How, how it'd be what, Jerome what Ford, game? but that's not the world we live in. It, it, it would but, but be Jerome I, I, I Ford. Think for ranking these two, I but, think but, in that case it would be. Okay, but even if you let's let's go to, to three, right? Mm -hmm. Let's go to DTR and then let's go to what Demetri Felton. Let's pray we're not we never have to actually get to that conversation. Exactly. Yeah, either yeah, way, yeah, but fair, if, if you fair. go either way, you know, Felton's been in the league what two or three years. DTR is a rookie. And you can honestly say they're right around yeah. the same player. That, that's a wash. And so if, if, if that's a wash, I'm going to take the rookie over the guy that's been in the league three years and ain't kept been kind of like, you know, able to get it going. So, like, I don't think none of us is too far off, but but come on, man. The quarterback I mean, is definitely going to have the running back. I mean, look, a quarterback I, is the hardest position in the game, right? Yeah. You know, it's the, it's the most difficult position of all in all the sports. And if you just say take Deshaun Watson out and you got Dobbs and whatever DTR, I think your season's done. It's a wrap. Like, but if you took Nick Chubb out of the offense, right, and you still had Jerome Ford and, and you still had, uh, you know, Demetri Felton, we've seen before where the Cleveland Browns can win with what? I mean, Dearness Johnson. Dearness Johnson. Hundred something, what? Hundred twenty yards in yeah, one game. He yeah, started? yeah. These guys they'll plug right in and get their minutes, right, and get their money off. I think, you know, when you look at it from a running back position, it's easier to come in and contribute as a running back than it is a quarterback. And I saw Josh Dobbs in Tennessee, and uh, he didn't, he wasn't a world beater in that game. 
He was perfectly serviceable. What did he do wrong? He, was, he, he put Tennessee in a situation to win. I mean, that, that's, that's his, all you can ask for. That's the, that's the Jacoby percent. Okay, but and we're talking about quarterback being the hardest position, right? Right. Look what Kevin Stefanski has done with the quarterbacks that's, like prior to. So if you, if you point. look at his track record, even forget the overall record of the team, but just look at how the previous quarterbacks have played under best Baker ever played best Baker he's best ever, played, ever played best reset you ever played and hopefully you get the, back in Minnesota hopefully you get the best Deshaun Watson that you ever got and so if you have a situation to for whatever reason you got to go to Dobbs or you you just got to go to Dobbs you take the experience he gained last year plus knowing what Kevin Stefanski can do I just think that's what gives them ed, the edge as well I got a question real quick and I don't remember you guys have to correct me Dobbs was here last preseason and they cut him midseason right no, he got claimed off a of practice squad, I think. Uh, he didn't get cut. I think they claimed him off the how, practice squad. How did squad. he end up in Tennessee? Did he get Don't him? quote me on this. I think he got cut when Deshaun Watson came, came back. back. Anthony, we looked that up to see how. I think he was Brissett's backup until was Watson Brissette's came back. And they didn't want to carry three. Yeah. So they ended up signing. So they did. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, you had to make room for Deshaun Watson. But to cut a guy, and this is not a knock on Dobbs. I mean, we're arguing semantics now. I had quarterbacks at five, running backs at four. Did you have running backs at five? Yeah, I had running backs at five. So, one, so we're, I mean, we're, we're flipping over one spot tomato, here. Tomato, tomato. But I think we're at the point, and we can all agree on this. Nick Chubb, elite. Deshaun Watson should be elite. Mm-hmm. And as long as they have those two guys healthy, the Browns offense, regardless of who else is there, be straight. should be pretty damn good. All right, moving on. So we'll put, those, we'll put running backs at four because we had two on that. And do you agree quarterbacks five then? One under. Are you cool with that, G? Because me and Earl already voted. I love that, so. let me, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking. Because I'm ready to go to six when you guys are. Um. You putting yeah. QBs at five here? QBs at, as long as G. I mean, yeah, actually, because me and Earl already voted for it, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say that. Um, I have them a little bit above um, this next group of people that I, I'm going to choose, so go ahead. All right, so I'll start with six, and this go is ahead. where I think it starts to get a little spicy. Let's I feel go. like this is where we're going to start deviating. Let's go. I have the safeties at six. Mm. I think mm. Grant Delpit's in for a breakout season. He fits the exact mold of a safety that Jim Schwartz has turned into not just a Pro Bowl, but all pro kind of players. Stick your foot in the ground, go make plays, because now you have a guy in Juan Thornhill next to you, who I'm not going to say is going to make up for your mistakes, but is a ball hawk in the secondary, who could be more of the coverage guy while Grant Delpit becomes the impact play, make it happen, light dudes up, force fumbles, create turnovers guy in the box and in the secondary and coverage. We saw a lot of progression from him from the beginning of last season to the end. That was with Joe Woods. I'm taking everyone on this defense and saying just by the addition of Jim Schwartz, they're taking at least one to one and a half steps up. And I actually think between those two and Rodney McLeod, who's played in Jim Schwartz's defense, who is the savvy veteran who comes with a wealth of winning experience, I actually feel really confident in the entire Brown secondary. Cornerbacks a little more than the safety just because mm-hmm. the caliber of players. But I am really high on those two safeties, and really those three safeties, as we enter the upcoming season. Um, I, I, this was close for me. Um, I could I could see where you went safety. Um, Juan Thornhill is an upgrade to me over John Johnson. Um, I think when you bring in guys like that, you really solidify what you want to do, and I don't think you have that many busted assignments. Um, with that being said. I had, I, I had question marks on other groups that yes. I didn't have with the safeties, which is why they may not be the most talented of the groups left, but right. I put them higher. So I'm curious to see where you're going with it. Um, just because of this person who's the number one dude in the room. I know what you're doing. See? Got to go receiver. Doing. I know what you're doing here. And, and here's the crazy part. This is oxymoron. I, I'm putting the receivers there, but I'm still the most apprehensive about the receivers. It's fair. At the That's same fair. time. like Because I could look at it and say, okay, I got Amari Cooper right here. He had one of his best years he's ever had with a Jacoby Brissett. We feel like he's that's going to get better. Donovan Peoples-Jones is coming off his best year, right? Um, you got Elijah Moore, who is a guy who everyone raves about at practice. Mm-hmm. Elijah Moore is killing the game. They're moving them all around. Um, and, and you got those those three guys, which I think are very dependable. However, what still makes the receiving core a big question mark is the rest of the dudes. Cedric Tillman, I don't even know what he is. He's a, a rookie. I can't count it. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, I don't even know he's going to play this year. Um, shout out to him. Hope he gets better. Schwartz is practicing today for the first Schwartz time. Schwartz is practicing <laughs> the first time since 2019. <laughs> Clap it up. 
He, he listen. Uh, you, I haven't seen you play since Gus Malzahn was at Auburn. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And he, and you was the rocket kick returner. All they did, like, he, got, you, he got four reverses a game. Four reverses a game. He took, the, one, he took one of the house against A and M. Yeah, did he and take almost two? Like, almost. But he ran right at me. I was on the sideline for that game, uh-huh. and he and he celebrates right in the camera. And I was like, this dude's good. And then I get here, and I'm like, that's that same kid. I I, 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 we missed that. Um, and so I don't know nothing about him. David Bell is um, David. Let me say that stripe David Bell. David Bell is a uh, is a wide receiver, um, but really in his heart of heart, he's a tight end. Like the, what? He, he, <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna steal the old line from Kelvin Bay. He's one biscuit away from being a tight end. Yeah, yeah, he. But he can eat all the food he wants. He's still not gonna get bigger, but he's still a tight end. He has tight end mobility, tight end hands, tight end uh, juke ability. He's just, he's just slow overall. Like, and I, I I just told y'all he's not that good. Now we're gonna see. He got opportunity. Maybe he could be a possession guy. But the rest of the roster, I have no clue. But just because your top three are good, I would have to say I would go with the receivers. All right, so I'm with G on this. I got the receivers above the safeties. We know what Amari Cooper is, man. Dude is about a thousand yards, nine touchdowns yep. every year. A lot of people believe, at least from the fantasy football standpoint, that he's probably going to have the best season of his career. Uh, I know he's kind of out for the next couple of days. I know Kevin Stefanski talked to the media this morning, so he's still he's still not practicing. Again, not really worried about Amari long term. As long as he's out there, I'm overly confident in what he can do. I talked about I felt like last year was DPJ ceiling, and if his ceiling is somewhere around 700 yards, three or Take four it. touchdowns, sign me up for that. I think Elijah Moore, when he came uh, out of the draft into the NFL, there were a lot of expectations of this dude just being an all-out playmaker. Here's a dude who can play inside, outside. You can put him in the backfield. I see the Browns using Elijah Moore a lot like San Francisco used Debo Samuels. Um, So I think that's a bonus. You know, you did a lot of footwork on Cedric Tillman. We know that Jalen Wyatt was the big name talked about. But before Tillman got hurt, he was the man at Tennessee. You got a guy that has a first-round talent that slipped a little bit, maybe due to injuries, maybe due, yep. to, due to some other things. And even though he is a rookie, you've seen a lot during OTAs. You've seen a lot during, a, like, a lot of the off-season programs that he's built some chemistry with Deshaun Watson already. You haven't heard anything about him putting the ball on the ground or anything like that or not being able to run his routes correctly. So that's encouraging to hear. Uh, I read Mary Kay Cabbage reports uh, this morning. And there's a lot of talk coming out of the Greenbrier right now about David Bell being actually impressive. You know, due to the injuries to Marquise Goodwin and Amari Cooper not being there, he's getting more reps. And the, the beautiful thing about it is he's taking advantage of those reps, right? And then, you know, you got a lot of other young guys that's in that room that has showed some flashes of some things. And then we got to keep in mind that when you talk about an elite quarterback or a guy that should be elite, like Deshaun Watson, it's going to elevate that entire group. So when I look at the wide receiver group and then I heard Deshaun Watson and read his body language as as far as, you know, him him speaking highly of the position group and seeming like that he had confidence in what they're able to do, I think that raises everything. So that's why I got the wide receivers above the – the safeties. So I had receivers at seven. So once again, we're, we're, we're flip-flopping. <laughs> and the reason I had them at seven was I just think there are some question marks in the group that I didn't have with the safeties. It's early in camp. It's July. I get it. But Amari Cooper is coming off a season where he had core surgery following the year, and now a minor tweak's keeping him out five to seven days. I understand it's July. I've talked to some people down in Greenbrier. They said they're just being extra cautious. But, G, you know, a minor tweak could sometimes be the the ball rolling on something more serious. A minor tweak is never minor. And I'm just I'm just a little bit worried that he may be dealing with some health issues. He's getting older. He's going to turn 30. Or is he 29, turning 30, or 28, turning 29 this year? Says the guy that's 30. You feel like you old? I'm see. No, but my body doesn't feel the same <laughs> after I play basketball as it did when I was 22. I'll tell you that. So I'm, like, I'm not worried about Amari. He's I think he's going to be very productive this year. Mm-hmm. But that is a little bit of. Um, I have like a 2% concern level that a minor tweak's keeping a guy out of camp now for five to seven days. I know it's July. I'm not like panicking. I'm just someone to keep an eye on. Elijah Moore, I think he's going to be really good. We just haven't seen it yet. I think he's going to be good. DPJ, solid dude. Tillman, question. David Bell, question. Remember last year the reports were David Bell didn't drop a single pass all camp. 
Then he played like four snaps a game. So sometimes camp reviews <laughs> don't equal hey, actual on field. There's just there's just a little more question marks in receiver room than I had at safety, which is why I went safety six, receiver seven. But once again, we're splitting hairs here on something that no, I, I think mean, are pretty equal. I, I can understand that you look at Juan Thornhill, man. He he brings that winning pedigree, right? He brings that dog. He brings that ability to make plays. Uh, I'm a big fan of Grant Delpit. I think Grant Delpit. Uh, might be like one of those breakout players this year, one of those playmaker dudes that might actually score about two or three touchdowns this season That's by awesome. himself. Uh, oh, yeah, I who, like who is more touchdowns this year, David Bell, Grant Delpit? Whew. I'm gonna go with uh, David Bell. That's so disrespectful. <laughs> I'm gonna go with David Bell. Yeah. The fact that, the fact that he even asked that question. That's, That's so fine. Well, you, yeah. just said, you just said two or three for Delpit. And I'm just Bell saying. Last year. I'm, I'm just saying, but when there I look at go. it, I also like the addition of Rodney McLeod, man, somebody who's very yeah. familiar with Jim Schwartz, but. Outside of that, I just feel like the wide receiver room has more familiar depth totally than, 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 with, totally the, with, than with the safety totally room. And with that being said, they need one more, man. I just, when I go to sleep at night, you know you what I'm saying? still think they need another, another one? I the, the speed factor, when you look at Deshaun Watson when he was at his best, well, he had Will Fuller, Fuller, speed guy. Brandon Burner. Cooks, speed guy. That's real. Guys, he throws a beautiful deep ball. Yeah. But you need guys to run up underneath it. And I commend the Browns for trying to do that. They thought they had that. And Marquise Goodwin, and he, he showed he could do it in OTAs with catching a, a couple long passes from him. Um, but now you have him, and now you got uh, Anthony Schwartz trying to come back and, and see if he can actually catch the football. But to me, when I go to sleep at night, the speed factor keeps me up. Because to, for this offense to, to reach, I would say, the pinnacle of what they are, in my mind, the offense that's the most dangerous is the one that can threaten you at every level. I got a guy that can be going deep every play. I got a guy that is a route runner. I got that in Mark Cooper. I got a guy that is a is a change of pace, quick in open space, Elijah Moore. I got a running back that, that is giving me six a, a pop. I got an offensive line that can move guys and pass block, and I got Deshaun Watson. It's the one element. It's the, missing. One, thing the one, missing. one thing missing. It's like you taste that drink and you be like, listen, I want a mixed drink. And you be at home making Harry Buffalo back in the day. And you'd be like, I mean, I think we'll get an opportunity to really see what it was. You know, well, Andrew Barry talked about you have the team that you put together in the spring, and that's the team that you bring to camp. And you get the opportunity to really analyze that squad. See what's see, missing. See what's yeah. missing, see what works, see, see what's don't. I do agree, you know, that's, that speed element uh, not being there, that's real. You know, we heard Ross Tucker talk about it. You know, we heard Zach Jackson talk about it. Like, Marquise Goodwin not being there is going to have an impact because clearly he was a bigger part of what the Browns was doing that even we all thought, yeah. you know, we thought he was like a rotational guy, mm -hmm. but clearly they got major plans for him. And so if, if he's not able to play due to his serious health issues, yeah. then you do need to like probably research. How can you get another guy that fits what he was going to do? And I think as we go through preseason, I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns actually traded for a wide receiver. I wouldn't be shocked yeah, either. I would, it, I, would, I would actually advocate doing that. Yeah. See what you got. See one last time if, if Schwartz can be that guy. See if you got another dude that happens to pop up somewhere. But if you get to that last preseason game and everybody's on a 93-man roster and then they cut them at once, yep. look around the league and see who you can get. Yeah. And the Browns have a plethora of talent at certain positions that other teams covet. Yep. Like defensive end. They yeah. can't keep them all. Yeah. Potentially at cornerback. They got a bunch of really good corners that maybe you could swap. In my notes is when I had if Goodwin was healthy, I'd have them above safeties. With Goodwin's uncertainty, that's why I put safeties at six, receivers at seven. But you guys outvoted me, so receivers are six. I had safeties. You had safeties right, at seven. Right, right, right. I had so safeties at seven. At eight, I had the special teams group. Mm, okay. Which I think is a little high as I'm looking back on it. But I really liked Ford as a kick returner. I really liked Jakeem Grant as a punt returner. I think he'll be healthy enough to be, give you that return factor. And, I, and I'm banking on Cade York taking a big step forward. And maybe that's a little bit of my lack of confidence in David Njoku, mm -hmm. which is why I had them over tight end. But I, I think the special teams unit and what Bubba Ventrone brings to that group will elevate everybody to a level where it's going to be a pretty good special teams unit. Mm -hmm. I want with tight end. Um, uh, I, I think Jordan Akins is a guy that is going to be able to make some plays. I think Harrison Bryant is a guy who is going to be a, a trade target. Mm -hmm. I think he's the guy that you, you, you package with a pick to go get another receiver. wide receiver. Smart. So I, I think just by default, he's a dude that um, that people will like around the league. And David Njoku, who 
and, and that's the thing that we got to understand. They're expecting one of the most, the biggest X factors in this, in this entire offense is this. Does David and Joku play like a top five tight end? Yeah. And if he plays like a top five tight end, that opens up everything. That just at, at you that can't point, stop them if they have a t- it, if they have Njoku playing at that level. There's you, no way you could physically stop the run game, all the weapons on the outside, and cover the middle with Njoku if he's playing up to the level you think he can be. And Deshaun Watson. Jason said this yesterday. Do you all believe it that the Browns might only keep two tight ends? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it'll be Aikens over Bryant. I think it's hard to fathom. Like I think you all are right. It's just hard for me to fathom. Kevin Stefanski doing that? Kevin Stefanski only yeah. keeping two tight ends. But look, and this is the best problem to have. Look at the talent that they have at certain positions that you're going to have to sacrifice Harrison Bryant for. And I right. know it's weird because Stefanski, I don't want to say he's a tight end fetish, but the dude loves his tight end. Right. Let's, let's be honest. The guy loves his tight ends. No pun intended. But yeah. dude, is yeah, very go. big in the football position. I, I saw you. I, I saw you. Yeah, yeah. I was over there like, Paul was coming. But, it like, was coming. <laughs> You may have to keep an extra defensive end. Like, are you going to keep Isaiah Thomas or Harrison Bryant? Or, like, mm-hmm. Alex Wright? Those are the decisions that are going to have to come down to when it makes the 53-man roster. You know, and it's a good problem to have. No, it, you're it not, really, you're really is. You're cutting someone good because you have so much does this Does this scare you a little bit? Like Everything scares me. So, when it comes to Savansky, you just popped in my head when you talk about the playbook. When you look at other good teams, other good coordinators um, and, uh, with weapons, like, it, doesn't it seem like those teams, like, if you play for the Dolphins, you know two people getting the ball. That's all we throw to because we're we going to make sure we, we accent those guys. If you play Kansas City, you know Kelsey about to get the ball, and that's what it is. Yeah. Sometimes when you have a spreadonomics.com offense, these guys will do dink and dunk. I'm going to throw the ball, spreadonomics. I'm going to... Here's Bell for two yards. Here's Njoku. Uh, you know, Amari Cooper catches it. That's, that's cute. But is there something the Cleveland Browns can go to that's the bread and butter and say, I got this guy and I'm about to wear you out with him. I see that all over the Meet league. Up. All right, so can I, can I, let, me, let me try to defend that real quick because Kevin Stefanski know how to scheme somebody open. Very good. There, there, there's been guys, I, I get the dink and duck, and I, you're, you're right about that. But go back, watch the All-22, and watch the, some of those plays where the quarterback is making the choice for that four-yard dink, and you got a guy who ran the proper route who's open 15 yards down the field. Mm-hmm. So I think Kevin Stefanski does a great job of scheming out routes, scheming up routes that can get guys open further down the field. It's just a matter <coughs> of the quarterbacks in the past, and some of Deshaun Watson, too, not making the right decision yeah. at the right time to hit the guy that's open down the field. I don't think it's fully fair to evaluate Kevin Stefanski on anything we've seen so far. I, I agree with that. I don't think it's fair in the 11 games with Jacoby Brissett last year, even though it was Brissett's best 11. He doesn't have that extend the field, push the ball down mentality as a quarterback. He is a game manager by nature. Let's not turn the ball over. Baker, even at his peak, was a gunslinger. And, and you guys were here, and I wasn't at the time. But He still turned the ball over. He turned the ball over, and I think Stefanski had to reel him in and say, hey, these interceptions are killing us more than any one individual great play. you got to be a little more cautious. And at the end of his tenure in, in Cleveland, he was second-guessing making some of those tougher downfield throws because he was so scared to make a mistake. With Deshaun Watson, we know his arm talent is incredible, incredible, mm-hmm. off the charts. He has the ability to make every single throw on the football field, and I think Stefanski finally has a quarterback now that will unlock all the creativity, offensive guru, genius, mm-hmm. maestro-ness inside his brain to find guys, not necessarily in that like 6 to 9, 6 to 11 yard range, but in that 11 to 19, 11 to 25. Not necessarily deep balls, but that intermediate deep game passing that we just haven't seen in Cleveland in at least the last three and a half years. Listen, we, we've talked about this at nauseum almost, right? When you have Baker Mayfield here, the facts are the facts. Baker had a great rookie season. Kudos to him. It was downhill from downhill from there. But Kevin Stefanski did a great job of hiding what he didn't do well facts. and exposing what he did do well. Facts. You turn around and then you got Jacoby Brissett, and he does the same thing. A quarterback that's limited in a lot of different areas, but let me hide where you're weak at and expose where your strengths are to put you in position to have success. We heard Deshaun Watson t- say two days ago, the entire playbook is open to me. And I think that's something that Kevin Stefanski has always envisioned once he took this job. 
I believe once he took this job, he he had probably five to ten pages of the playbook that he knew he had to keep on ice because he didn't have the the proper quarterback totally to, to run some of the plays. And so when we talk about 13 personnel or this package and that package, we have to understand that there's a whole nother level of this that he's been waiting to unlock, it seems like, since he's got here. Yeah. You know, I think that he thought that year two of Baker, he would have had a more opportune time to do so, but Baker didn't take the offseason seriously. And when he didn't take it seriously, he couldn't grow. Again, Jacoby Brissett is what Jacoby Brissett is. But looking at Deshaun Watson and knowing that he has the capability to make every throw, to know that he's a quarterback that knows how to read defense, and then to know finally that, yeah, he's getting plays, but Kevin Stefanski is giving him the freedom to change the play and get the Browns in the right situation. I think that you're going to see this marriage between Deshaun Watson and Kevin Stefanski blossom. And I think that Kevin Stefanski is going to get back to earning some of the respect that he should have as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. I'm excited for year four, uh, uh, Kevin. I know we got to move on. We got a lot left. So did you go tight ends at eight there? Yeah. Oh, okay. So we had tight ends at eight. What'd you guys have at nine? I have, special teams is my vote at nine. We're gonna run through these real quick. Um, I would I would go with. Yeah, special D, teams. I would go. D tackle, with, I would go with. I would go with uh, D tackles. Earl. Uh. Special teams, D tackle, linebackers. Special teams, linebackers, D tackles. I got D tackles, special teams, linebackers. I got special teams, D tackles, linebackers. So officially, and then we'll toss it to Anthony. Our order went: defensive ends, cornerbacks. Offensive line, running back, quarterback, receiver, safety, tight end, special teams, defensive tackles, and linebackers. Well, that was a great wrap-up, guys. Appreciate it. And then I just want to take a minute to remind everybody that we're almost to 25,000 subscribers, and that's a huge milestone for us. We've been around a little bit over a year, and we love the support that you guys give to us. And as we get ready for our next topic here, I just want to say thank you. In our next topic, you guys can take it away. We're going to be talking about Deshaun Watson's contract uh, in comparison to some of the other quarterbacks. Yeah, the, the news came out the other day that Justin Herbert signed a new five-year, $262 million extension. $218 million of that is guaranteed. And, and Earl tweeted it out, and it started a discussion. We did a little bit of this on Behind the Glass last night. But Deshaun Watson signed the fully guaranteed $230 million contract with the Browns. He is now the seventh highest paid quarterback in terms of overall money, still number one in terms of guaranteed money. We weren't sure if when Deshaun signed that contract, it would change the way quarterbacks in totality mm -hmm. got contracts moving forward. Since then, it has not changed. It is still the only non-guaranteed. So with Joe Burrow on the horizon with the contract extension, with a guy like Patrick Mahomes now the ninth highest paid quarterback in football, do you think we're ever, ever will see another fully <clears throat> guaranteed quarterback contract again? Or do we just see the continued money go up without it being 100% fully guaranteed? Well, <clears throat> I, I think you'll see it if the quarterback wants it. Um, Patrick Mahomes could get any contract he wants. Um, but it's not the fact that it's, it, they won't give it to him. It's the fact that he wants to still have some money left over to, to you, know, you know, make the roster around him better. So, you know, any of these quarterbacks, and this is what people don't get, any of these quarterbacks, Justin Herbert could have said, I want it guaranteed. Um, uh, you know, Joe Burrow could say, I want it guaranteed. Patrick Mahomes could say that. And just guess what? They would give it to him. For me, I think the question is, and, and, I, and when this, this deal happened, I asked myself, what are people going to shut up about that? We, we, we are going to like, see, some te sometimes people say stuff and they just get fixated on it because the national media just say it over and over and over and over and over. And you'd be like, yeah, 238, 230. And, and, and you're like, bro, but what does that really matter? Because if, in the scheme of things, what quarterback has ever not got his money guaranteed? Name me one elite quarterback that, that got a bunch of money and then they cut him in his prime. It just never happens. Yeah. Quarterbacks don't get cut. They'll figure a way to trade you. But they're, they're, so when you look at the cap number, oh, it's fully guaranteed. Well, listen, bro, all of them are basically fully guaranteed as a quarterback because once you get to that standpoint of you making that much money, you're good and you don't change teams. The Browns paid him a premium for someone opening up on the market. And, and a lot of times consumers don't understand this. If I'm in a pinch 
and I need a car today. This and I got to go to work. Does that mean I'm going to take time to go through 95 car lots? No, I don't have time to be looking for the best bargain because I'm in a pinch. So I may have to pay an extra two, three percent, four percent to get a car that I may not really love or I may not. But it's a necessity. Quarterback is a necessity. So when you look at 238, that number doesn't even really like matter. I think that's been a, a scapegoat of the people. One or two things, right? You either don't like the allegations he has, so you use 238. You think you used to like Baker Mayfield. You kept rooting for him. You're still deep down to Baker, bro. So you don't like the 238. And then the third one is, I don't even know if I like Deshaun Watson. I don't know if his style of play is for me. All these different things. All these come into one. Now, you, now you, you can say, well, I don't like the Browns or I don't like uh, Deshaun Watson because he's rocking the boat. No, you just either a baker, bro, or you don't you don't think you deserve the money or don't like the allegations. At the end of the day, that's the big do to do about the 238 because in the scheme of things, he's not even getting paid higher than the rest of these dudes. I mean, literally, that's what I told McNuggets doing the Behind the Glass podcast yesterday. It's not about the $230 million guaranteed, G. It's just simply people do not is. like Deshaun yeah. Watson. Right, yep. You know, and I can understand the allegations, right? And I can understand that everything that comes with that. And everybody has a right to feel how they want to feel, right? If you want to judge this man, if you want to have this opinion of him, fine, whatever. But just but say it. <laughs> just say it, right? It's not, it's not about the $230 million. It's about you not liking him. And like I said yesterday, some people have made up their mind that they're never going to like him. That no matter what happens, you, you can't change that. But I think when I look at Andrew Barry, Jimmy, and D. Haslam, I got to give them the respect. Why? Because there's an emotional side to everything that happened with Deshaun Watson, but then there's a professional business side of things. And once they knew that this man was not finna get indicted, he was not about to get charged, meaning he was not finna go to prison, then they had to seek, they had to go get their quarterback. 25-year-old elite quarterbacks do not come available all the time. And so, yeah, they understood the backlash that would come with the emotions tied to the situations that he was tied to. But when you look on the professional side of things, this is an organization that's been starved of a franchise quarterback yep. since Bernie Kosar. And if you got an owner like Jimmy Haslam who's willing to do whatever it takes to win, then I think that's something that fans should applaud. That's something that you should appreciate that you got an owner that's willing to foot a $230 million bill just for the opportunity to bring this city a championship. And I think if people change their perspective and change how they thought about it, maybe they would appreciate it more. Nobody's saying that you got to like Deshaun Watson, the man. You don't even know the man. So, of course, you, how you don't like somebody you don't know. But if you're a fan of the Cleveland Browns and you understand what his level of football play can bring to your organization and the opportunities that come with it, then you got to respect your owner going out there and do it. Now, to answer your question, do I think a quarterback will get more fully guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson? No. I think the days of quarterbacks really caring about the fully guaranteed point, it seems to have shifted. And it's funny because we wasn't having this conversation two years ago. It was all about how much money you can get guaranteed. But you look at it now and you see a lot of these guys, okay, how much could I rake in? annually and everybody got their own reason for how they want their cut contract structured a certain way i think that burrow might end up somewhere between 222 but i think that trevor lawrence is going to be the guy that's at the right place at the right yeah. time if he continues to ball out that might surpass that 230 million mark a couple of things one it is the anomaly and that's not a bad thing like there's nothing wrong with being the oddity if it was still a good deal i have no issue with them guaranteeing $230 million to Deshaun Watson if that's what it took to get Deshaun Watson. At the end of the day, the Browns have a franchise quarterback today. They did not have a franchise quarterback before Deshaun Watson. And you can make all the pleas and bargains you want about Baker Mayfield potentially being that guy, but I just don't believe it. I don't think Baker Mayfield is ever good enough to lead a team to a championship. I said it on the show last night. If we were starting a new YouTube channel, if we were going to branch off and we needed G. Bush, and G. Bush said, I will only work for you guys if you give me X, Y, and Z. And we knew we needed G. Bush to make that product exactly how we envisioned it. Guess what? G. Bush is getting X, Y, and Z. And I'm not thinking twice about it. So if they had to pay $230 million and they had to make it fully guaranteed in order to get Deshaun Watson to agree to come to Cleveland, who gives a crap? <laughs> they got him. Like, who cares? And I'm never going to – in all sports, and Jalen Brown happened yesterday, 
I may think it's a crazy contract, but good for you, Jalen Brown. And for Deshaun Watson, good for you and Justin Herbert, good for you. You are worth as much you are worth as much as someone's willing to pay you. If that's $304 million, that's $230. If it's $262, you are worth what the market says you can get. Go get the bag. And anyone who ever tells these dudes that they should take a pay cut or take less, ask yourself, would you do that? It's, it's like, un- would you? It's un-American. Like, I don't, yeah, like, like we stand on cap. That's, I, that's why I always joke. I said, man, y'all love to say capitalism, right? Y'all love to say free market. Y'all love to say no regulations. Y'all love that. That is, you stand on it. I don't want the government telling me what I can do. I don't want regulations. I, I don't want taxes. I want to I want to be able to run my business and do what I want to. Okay, well, they're running their business doing what they want to. The thing is, why are you mad that they're getting all this money? Because here's the thing. No one says this. You think they're rich. Think about how rich the, play, the people is that pay these guys. All of them. Now, if we want if <laughs> it, it doesn't it does not work like this, but in a world where taxpayer money funded the contracts, mm-hmm. then I could see people getting upset about certain guys making a certain amount of money. But it's coming out of the Haslam's pocket. It's coming out of the Boston Celtics owner's pockets. It's coming out of the guy, and I don't know who owns the Chargers, but it's coming out of their pockets. Like, why do I care if they want to spend L- listen, a man. certain amount of money to acquire a player that's going to help them win a championship, and they're never going to be considered winners or successes unless they have a damn championship. You have to spend <laughs> to win. When is a team in any sport? Won a championship with a payroll in the bottom 10%. My man upset because he's absolutely right. And we talk about this all the time. It pisses me off to see and hear other people say, well, this person is overpaid. That person other paid. Like, I don't know where y'all come from, but you don't, you don't, you don't go around co- counting other people's pockets. You don't go around tapping on other people's pockets, worry about how much money they got and how they footing the bills that they have. Especially if, you know, if you're not the person that's paying that bill. If you a fan... Sit back and be a fan. Jimmy Haslam is not knocking on your door saying, hey, let me get a million dollars to go towards this contract. Let this man do what he do. And it's up to Andrew Berry to manage the salary cap that's given to him. He's entrusted with that job. So let them do their job. When somebody says this person is not worth this or this person shouldn't be paid like that, I think it's highly disrespectful because take the title athlete off, right? Anybody in their profession, male, female, any, any race or creed, right? You want to be paid swell and somebody paying you a high salary is a sign of respect of you and the work that you put out there. So when you out there saying this person shouldn't be paid this check yourself. What if somebody at your job was telling you you shouldn't be making the money that you was making Can I- even, even really quickly like always remember this with big companies. Y'all got to wake up a little bit like when big companies fail and they're deemed too big to fail. The government takes your tax dollars and they bail them out and then they take those profits from the bailout and tuck them in. So when the company does bad, they socialize the downside. But when the company does good, they privatize the, the revenue. So you're going to pay for them with higher taxes and your tax dollars. And at the same time, they're going to keep all of the profits that they have if they're doing good and never distribute those in benefits, distributing higher wages, distributing in better uh, medical coverage, PTO, none of that. They just take it, buy back their stocks and get $90 million bonuses. So here's the thing. Don't think you're doing these guys a favor because at the end of the day, we'll never probably see that level. But y'all got to always think, look, bro, this is if, if this is football. And they do it in real life. Understand the, the way the economics really truly work. I want to make one more point, then we'll toss to Anthony for a fast read. I do think it's fair when you look at guys, especially in free agency, when they sign an exuberant contract to be like, and I think it was a little bit overpaid. Like, I don't think the production from said players equal to X amount of money. And you could do it without being disrespectful because you're having a conversation. There's only so much funds to go around. But I also think from a team perspective, if you think that's the right guy to take you to the next level, then so be it. Like, yeah. uh, I look I'll at the Rockets, that. for example, and like, I know basketball, football, different. They, they gave Dylan Brooks four years, $80 million. I don't think Dylan Brooks, the player, is a $20 million player, but good for him. You know what I'm saying? Like, like good for him for getting the bag. If the Rockets think that's the kind of player they needed to bring in, sure. I think you could got more bang for your buck elsewhere, but it's not because I don't like Dylan well, I don't particularly love Dylan Brooks. He <laughs> met him in the bad exam. Fred Van Vliet, you know, he got yeah. 
do I think that three years, four hundred million, uh, hundred forty million dollars with Fred VanVleet is the the smartest use of one hundred forty million dollars on the basketball court? No. Is that a knock on Fred VanVleet? No. So I I just want to put I, I think yeah. sometimes when we look at contracts, it's okay to be like I think that may have been a little bit of an overpay, but. But you can critique you can critique that with anybody. I'm gonna say just about anybody yeah. except for Patrick Mahomes, right? We yeah. talked about this yesterday. You know, Justin Herbert got 218 million fully guaranteed. guaranteed. Yep. You can argue that he's never won a playoff game, that his team has never won a division championship, but you can also look on the flip side of it. In his first three years in the NFL, he's in a top same three. You know what Mahomes. I mean? Yeah. While playing in the same division with Patrick Mahomes, he's in the top three in damn near every passing category. And so, like, yeah, everybody is entitled to their opinion. But for me, you know how I am. There's a there's a human aspect to every everything I say when we talk in sports. You don't want nobody counting your pockets. Stop counting other people's pockets. I want everyone to get paid. I want yeah. to get paid myself. I just may disagree sometimes with the allocation. Yeah, like I, 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 I don't, like I said, I don't know if it's how I grew up, whatever the case, man. But I don't it, talk about another man yeah. money. I keep my eyes on my own. Wait, wait paper. till you're on the panel for free agency, <laughs> and, then, and then we'll see how it goes. Anthony, what's up? Yeah, guys, so our community poll today is on this topic, and whenever we do a community poll, it's brought to you by PCC Airfoils. Looking for a job with career advancement and great benefits? PCC Airfoils is a leading manufacturer in Northeast Ohio, and all locations of PCC Airfoils in Eastlake, Menor, Wycliffe, and Minerva are hiring for all positions starting at $18 and up. Plus, you can get a full benefit package, paid time off, and a signing bonus. You can apply online at precast.com careers to learn more. So our poll today, guys, is will Joe Burrow sign for more guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson? And out of 866 votes, 59% said yes, 41% said no. Thoughts? The, the, uh, we'll do it real quick because I know we got to move on, but the next guy gets paid the most. And Herbert got close with 218. <laughs> if it's not Burrow, it'll be Lawrence. Someone's going to get more guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson. Yeah. It's just the way economics and football works. And frankly, it also could be Patrick Mahomes. I know he just signed that 10-year deal, but he's now ninth. In terms of the highest paid annual salary, he went another Super Bowl. He getting a new deal this offseason. Actually, be truthful, he can go in. He can go get a new deal right now. Tomorrow, yeah, yeah. He got, he got calls. Listen, I I must be the all-time highest paid quarterback while I'm playing immediately. And no matter who signs the next one, I gotta jump. I'm jumping. That'd be interesting. Speaking of contract extensions, we'll get to 32 for 32 in one sec. But I do want to do this. We talked about it on the show last night. G, you were chiming in. You called me McChicken on my take on this. And then Earl said something that sparked a thought in my head. We were talking about. Who's more likely to get a contract extension or who should get an extension after this upcoming season, Jedrick Wills or Nick Chubb? And you guys both said Chubb. I said it's more likely that it's Wills. Uh, real, real quick, and we're not going to spend a ton of time on this, mm -hmm. but Earl, you brought up the point that people arguing for Wills reminded you of people arguing for Baker. Yeah. As in, we know he's not that good and we're scared to make a change. Do you, do you want to elaborate before I make a comment? Yeah, because somebody, somebody has said, thought in my head that somebody has said something to me about that yesterday. I was like, it's a bad comparison. I'm only talking about from the fan perspective on how they talk about this, right? Why is that a bad comparison? I don't know because people, Actually, it's a good comparison. listen, people got their opinion. I'm not, yeah. I don't, I don't get mad at people who disagree. That's, that's why the world is the way it is. We're not supposed to that's agree. That's why we have everything. a show. Exactly. If you agree with everything <laughs> we said, no one will watch. But Jedrick Wills is a middle of the road left tackle, mm -hmm. right? We can all agree about that. He's not the worst thing that you've ever seen. He's not the best thing you've ever seen. He's average He's vanilla and you can get by with average as long as the rest of the parts is moving in the right direction. That's the same thing that we said about Baker Mayfield. Yeah, we know Baker Mayfield is not the best quarterback in the NFL, but he's not the worst Back. that we've seen, especially Back. in Cleveland. Back. And when you have a rookie year like that, now you're convincing yourself mentally. You know what? I can get by with this average quarterback. I can get by with this average piece on my, my roster. And I think that sometimes fans are afraid of what's on the other side of average, you know, because you can realistically go in the wrong direction and end up with a player that's much worse. But you can roll the dice and you can end up with a player that's much better as well. And I think that sometimes, man, we get a little complacent with average, right? We get a little complacent with just being good enough. And I don't know if it's because of people of being afraid to roll the dice or because the Browns have had so little success that the fact that you see somebody that's just okay, it makes it good enough for you. And so when I hear these conversations about why the Browns should keep Jedrick Wills versus moving on, it just sounds a, it's, it's a lot of similar talking points on why people thought we should keep Baker Mayfield. So you said that yesterday. And I was like, that, that's a really good point. It makes sense. And, and I, the, what led to that conversation was me saying, I think, 
Wills is somewhere in that 15 to 20 range in left tackles, and we don't know what Dewan Jones is yet. He's a rookie, unproven. He may be better. He may be worse. And I just don't feel confident in having a guy who may be worse at arguably the second most important position in football. And it got me thinking. When you make a move from average, you just don't know what you're getting, right? The Browns moved on from Baker Mayfield. They got Deshaun Watson. Despite what we saw last year, we all agree it's a significant upgrade, right? Let's go yeah, back. I agree with that. Let's go back to 2018. Jed Wills is the Kirk Cousins of left tackle. The Washington Commanders were like, Kirk Cousins, you want you want a lot of money. You're okay. We know you're not great, but we think we can do better. Do you know how many different guys have started the game for the Commanders since 2018? How about this list of superstars? You ready? Mm-hmm. Alex Smith, Josh Johnson, Colt McCoy, Mark Sanchez, Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, RIP, Kyle Allen, Tyler Heineke, uh, Taylor Heineke, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Garrett Gilbert, Carson Wentz, and Sam Howell. They're in quarterback hell. <laughs> and what scares me about potentially moving on from Wills, despite the fact that I know at best he's a top 15 to 20 left tackle, is if you have a terrible left tackle or a bottom 10 guy, as Ross Tucker put, your most important person on the field is Sean Watson. The guy in that slot at left tackle is protecting his blind side. Mm-hmm. If you lose Watson, nothing else matters. You lose your quarterback. Absolutely. I just feel so terrified. I have nightmares. G had apprehension about the no speed in the receiver. Well, mm-hmm. I sleep like crap anyway. I would probably get three hours of sleep from the entire week one to week 18. If we had a guy at left tackle, I wasn't sure it was at least league average. But I ain't seen, and that's what scares me. I ain't seen five hours of sleep in five years, but... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, between there might not be a panel in America who sleeps less. Than oh no, this is a panel right here. This, we don't we don't sleep at all. <laughs> yeah, that that's but, a whole different. But, discussion. but before G go, I'll, I'll say this to your point. I agree with you, because if something happened to him, that's who's protecting your quarterback. But also look at it like, knowing that Deshaun Watson has his hands pretty much on the entire offense, mm-hmm. and that he has a say in a lot of the things that's going on, he's the guy that's out here working with these offensive linemen, and I'm pretty sure that if they decided to move on from the left tackle that they'll have a conversation with the oh, franchise yeah. quarterback. Oh, yeah. And so me and you talked about this off, off the record. You know, if Deshaun Watson was to give the okay because he trusted the other guys that was next in line, I would feel a little bit better about it. But like I said, I get it. I understand it because there's an opposite side to average. You yeah. can go backwards. And I that's, get it. That's what scares the, I get the it. living you know what out of it. Yeah, me. I get it. Uh, let, let's just get down I to it. I knew he was going to go there. Let's just get down to it because I, I've i never seen, like, see, this is what I don't, I don't like about f- people sometimes when they, and fans when they do this. Like, look, what are, you, what are you basing your feelings on? See, there's a lot of times because there's very few people in society that understand offensive line play. There are very few people who have ever been big. There's a very few people who even pay attention to what they do up front. It's just, hey, well, you know what? Um, did you give up a penalty or a sack? And if you don't, they think you're good. But the stats bear something different. And if you watch the All-22, Jedrick Wills consistently, if he gets beat, stands up, looks around in three seconds with his visor on, looking around like, who did it? <laughs> if that's your man. Get your guy. Not only does he not play to the whistle, he is not a great run blocker, pass blocker, or overall uh, a grade. He does not have one. Now, now, give you this. He was the 51st rated tackle last year. That ain't middle of the road. Did you make up middle of the road in your head? That What is middle of the road? Like, I don't know. I thought th- that's completely made up. By the way, do you know Jedrick Wills? Let's get your head on, Jed. Come on, I want to be clear. <laughs> I want to be clear. I just want to be very clear. In his career, 2020, he was a rookie. His grade was a 61.5. Everybody's talking about we could get rid of Nick Chubb because Chubb, he he doesn't get, is, is it the O-line or is it Nick Chubb? Well, let me show you your run block grade, <laughs> 50.3. Come on now, where's the middle of the road? I'm looking for it. Maybe that was a bad year, rookie year. Let's go to the next year. He, he upgraded, whole five points, 66.1. Now, I don't know where you guys went, a 66 is a D, right? And, and all grading, uh, all schools, wherever you at, that's that, public, private, that's a D. <laughs> oh, he came up, he was a 61.7 in run blocking. Hey, man, listen, he moving up, Bill Callahan doing this, working with him, he's balling. Oh, 2022, you regressed. 
you're 62.9 now. You're almost an F. That is that that is 62.9 overall, and your run blocking grade was a 55.3. You tell me, all these people around here, and this is this pisses me off about y'all, because y'all sit up here and do low hanging fruit, and you talk about getting rid of Nick Chubb. Got to take a pay cut. Can't play a running back. Why sure as hell can't play, pay a top 10 tackle for 62 percent? Because you don't understand. Just listen. Jay Z said it. Hey, just because just because you don't understand him don't mean he bright just because you don't understand that he's garbage does not mean he's not garbage. So you're going to give an extension to a left tackle because of he's middle of the road and we're going to get rid of a potential Hall of Famer and your best offensive player because you ain't got no money. Well, like I said before, if you want all the money, go tell Jed Wills to give that money back and we can keep rolling with Nick, Nick Chubb. I rest my case. Somebody tell me what's middle of the road. <laughs> well, I mean, there was like seven tackles in the league that had over an 80 grade last year. So if you want to go like the 61, you got to give a little more context than just throwing out the grades. But listen, no one's saying Jed Wills is elite. Nacho Thomas. 61 ain't average. 61 ain't below average. <laughs> 61 is atrocious. But that's of all the tackles. So there's 64 tackles plus all the guys that He's played. He's 51st. Sorted by snaps. Uh, I'm, listen, now I'm sounding like a general's <laughs> defender. Look, 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 I don't think he's that good. Sorted by snaps. I don't think he's that good. I'm let, just saying. Let's like, find the ranking. Sorted by snaps and see. Because, he, he, like, James Hudson's high. Listen, all I'm going to tell you is why he's doing that, man. There's no doubt in my mind that I'm giving Nick Chubb an extension before I give Jedrick Wills an extension, right? I got I got two or three guys on that offensive line right now that can, I believe, next year, if not this year, can step in and fill the same role with the same production with less money, you know, that, that Judging Wheels did this year. I, I think that, you know, I thought about what you said. I do believe Nick Chubb will get an extension. I think it will be a restructured extension, but I ultimately think I, he's going to get that. I do agree with that, by the way. Yeah, I, think I think he's, he's going to end up restructuring. I think he's going to yeah. get that. We all know the running back market is devalued. We all know where, where we are with that market. But a few things that Andrew Barry said Sunday sticks out to me. He talked about he believed that Nick Chubb is a superstar. He talked about that, yeah, even though the running back market is devalued because of the way that the league is trending, you still have to look at every situation by case-by-case -case scenario and then focus in on that specific player. And when I think about Nick Chubb, I always ask myself the same question. Is this dude in that rare air like Adrian Peterson and Ladanian Tomlinson. And if the answer is yes, he falls into that category, then yeah, I'm giving him an extension because it's not always about what you do on the football field. This is a young man that embodies everything that you want within your organization. When you're talking about somebody that represents the franchise, he's it. He yeah. shows up for work, he shows up on time, and he does his job. And he's then when he's away from the nuts. facility, you can trust him to do the things that he needs to do. And I think when you look at him as an individual, you can't just group him in with the rest of the running backs because I think this is a special man and a special talent. I can't believe somehow I'm becoming a Jed Wills defender because I don't <laughs> like Jed Wills and I love Nick Chubb. But I just think in the, the grand scheme of this, this is how it's going to play out. And I think at the end of the day, Chubb ends up restructuring his deal, gets two more with the Browns at a lower number. Ant, what's up?